What's going on, guys? Welcome to the very first episode of the 60 Feet 6 Inches podcast. I'm your host, David Furtado, joined by my good friend, Dylan Delaney. How's it going, Dylan? Going good. Ready to talk some baseball, you know, finally. And it's finally back for the first time in, like, over a year. It's been way too long. Um, Labor negotiations completely failed. Uh, But Rob Manfred stepped in in post the 60-game season. Uh, Everybody's reporting July 1st, so that's uh, next week. So we should have baseball back super soon, Um, albeit it's going to look very different. No fans, um, all sorts of uh, extra rules now to try and keep everybody safe and healthy. So uh, I just want to get your take on some of those. All right. Uh, Honestly, at this point, I don't even know what's going to work. I know that one of the ones you mentioned before was the whole... um, like the the fact that they have to stay six feet away when up when arguing and that's going to just go right to shit as soon as that starts i think you're going to see literally the third day it's going to be joe girardi's going to be running out the out there he's just going to start spitting on people and it's going to be all hell breaks loose from there yeah that's that's my thing is like i mean it's a it's a good idea but like how how are we going to enforce it um in certain situations like i was i was uh saying like angel hernandez is gonna eventually screw something up because he's the worst umpire on the face of the earth and you know if the batter turns around and starts arguing is that now like a violation of the rule and is that player going to get suspended for just turning around arguing he's not leaving his position um so it's just like little like nuances like that i'm curious to see how they how they um rule on those well here's, here's my question is there anybody that's actually required to wear a mask um it is uh any non-playing personnel uh that are on the bench so it's going to be like coaches, uh, trainers, that kind of stuff. So basically, if you're not playing in the game um, and you're in the dugout, you got to wear a mask. Okay. All right. So it's not. So umpires won't have to then either. Uh, they're they're free. They're free real. They should be. To the best okay. of my knowledge, they are. Okay. I was gonna say we might need to. Honestly, it might be best to put a mask on Joe Buck. Think. <laughs> put a mask. Honestly, this would be this would be a great. A great uh, place to put in the robot umpires and see how that works. That's what I was thinking. Like this year is a perfect time to just experiment with a whole bunch of things and see what works and see what doesn't work. Because no, exactly, because it's going to be a weird season regardless. We already screwed up the season enough as much as it is. It's one of those things. It's like you know, you want to get nuts. Let's get nuts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you, you screwed up. You, you had the chance to make this year a really great one. You fumbled the bag. Might as well just go all in on craziness and see what works and what doesn't. Like the universal DH, I think, you know, try it out for this year at least. If it's a good idea, keep it. If not, then Madison Bumgarner go back next year and let him start raking again. Yeah, I mean, I'll go right down the list of the new uh, rule changes. So you have the universal DH, which I love. Um, Honestly, outside of like, you know, Madison Bumgarner, maybe Zach Ranke, and, you know. Michael. Well, those are the only guys that are like true pitchers that, you know, I enjoy watching hit. The rest, like, you know, you look at the other ones like Shohei Otani, two-way player, Michael Lorenzen, two-way player. Um, the DH doesn't really matter to those guys because they can, they'll play, you know, they'll DH or they'll play a position in the field and still get their bat in the lineup. The Braves um, got even the guy in their system that does that too, right? Uh, yeah, McKay. Bre- Brendan McKay. Um, I just have no interest in, like, watching, you know, Clayton Kershaw get up there and take three pitches or David Price get up there and take three pitches. Like, it's just, I'd much rather watch, you know, Nelson Cruz swing the bat. Yeah, I'd rather I'd, I would rather watch Socrates burrito. No, I would. I don't want to watch that guy do anything ever again. 
But no, I think that the universal DH, I think that, like, definitely that's a good idea because at this point, I mean, like, when a pitcher hits a home run, like, when Bartolo Colon hit that home run, that was, like, a that was like a stratifying, like, league-changing moment right there. But outside of there, outside of, like, that one blip, like, whenever pitchers really go up to hit, there's not a whole lot of excitement that's around. It's just basically, all right, go up there, take three pitches, and just go back to the bench. Exactly. It's just, like, I, I don't know. Some people, you know, like the National League, you know, baseball purists, they love the, the extra strategy that goes in you know, sacrifice bunting and the double switches. Um, but at the end of the day, if you want to get more people to watch, nobody wants to, you know, nobody's coming to the ballpark to watch, you know, a guy bunt in the fifth inning to move a guy from second to third. You know, people want to see, you know, these big bats get up there and just hit, you know, 400 foot bombs um, or, you know, hit line drives into the gap. Like nobody want, nobody's coming to the ballpark and paying money to watch guys bunt. Um, and that's pretty much all pitchers do. Uh, and I'm, I'm speaking as somebody who pitched. And I mean, pitchers are not athletes. <laughs> I was a pitcher. I had to be one of those bunters. <laughs> I, I was the bunter. I was not good at it. Yeah. Um, but I think that another one of the rules that's going to be interesting is that the, the, um, in extra innings where you have to run on second, a lot of people have been saying, you know, oh, okay, the game takes too long, you know, especially when sometimes when you go into extra innings, the game can last until 18, 19 innings, as we seen like in the World Series a couple years ago with the Sox and the Dodgers. Uh, you know, it goes it goes way too long sometimes. So maybe having like that runner on second, it could be beneficial to, to you know speed up the game with the pace so that way you're not playing you know 13, 14 innings and maybe getting it done after the 10th or the 11th inning. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and I mean this is definitely the season to try that. I'm not a huge fan of it. I think it's you know it, it's a little like minor league baseball kind of gimmicky to me. Um, but, you know, like I said, it's one of those things like you're already playing a 60 game season with, um, you know, it's just it's going to be weird all around. Um, so might as well just, you know, try a bunch of different stuff, see what sticks, see what doesn't. Um, they're keeping the three batter minimum, which I like because, I mean, who's it's really not, you know, screwing anybody too badly. Um, you know, like if you look at some of the lefty specialists, you go down the league, guys, you really want to use against the lefties like Andrew Miller. Like, I mean, he can get righties out, too. Like this isn't, you know, the end of the world. Um, and it's, uh, that'll speed the game up, you know, a little bit incrementally, but you know, it'll help. Um, so that's good. And then, you know, same thing with the, the, uh, the runner on second to start extras, you know, you could you know, end an extra inning on a single, like a first pitch single, as opposed to, you know, needing to a get guys around or B hit a home run. Um, so that hopefully will speed it up a little bit. Um, cause I agree. That's, that's the biggest problem right now is these games are like four hours long and I, I don't have the attention span to sit through those. Right, yeah, I think that just comes from like the newest generation. Like the newest generation just does simply not have the attention span to keep up with baseball. But at the same time, baseball is almost like a game of patience. Though, like if you're if you're if you're a fan of the game of baseball, like you'll you'll be willing to sit through three hours of Marlins versus I don't know Cubs or something like that and watch some, maybe some mediocre pitching. But it you know each, each and every game there's going to be some sort of action that happens. It's going to be like oh hey that was pretty. cool. Yeah, no, definitely. And I'm not saying like, like, you know, this Rob Manfred, a hates baseball. Um, but you know, he's, he does something every year and he wants to make these huge drastic changes to try just for the sake of speeding it up. Um, which I don't agree with, you know, if there are small things you can do to shave, you know, a few minutes here, a few minutes there. Um, and you know, you want to do that and it's not going to change the game completely from what it is. Um, then yeah, go do it. Like, I mean, three hour games are not the most fun thing to sit through, especially when it's, you know, between two teams that suck. Trust me. I know I'm a blue Jays fan. I sit through a lot of them. Um, but 
you know, if, if you can do things to kind of just, you know, speed it along just a little bit. Um, and, and even if it's not going super fast, because baseball is a slow game just, you know, by nature. But if you can right. do things to kind of, you know, take away that just stop and constant stop and go of the mound visits and the, the pitching changes and that kind of stuff, then yeah, go for it. Um, just to kind of make it a smoother product. Because that's what I think it's been missing, especially with all the analytics, is it's been, it's almost become like too matchup based. Um, right. And if you can, you know, eliminate just a little bit of that, like keep that strategy in there, but just just a little bit of that, um, just to kind of keep the game more more smooth and just continually flowing forward as opposed to stop, go, stop, go, especially from like the fifth inning on once you get into those bullpens. Right, yeah. The, the, the whole bullpen, well, the, like the runs out of the bullpen and stuff like that, you know, maybe, maybe they got to like shave off some stuff off of that. But like we were saying, like Rome wasn't built in a day. Like you're not going to be able to go in and just shave like a half an hour off of each and every game, like, like right away. You know, incremental changes, it's going to be just basically it's part of the, the, uh, the way to get it done. You know, maybe a couple minutes here and there and stuff like that. But, you know, to, to, put some rules in place that are going to take, you know, half an hour to an hour off of a game. Like it's unreasonable to even think about. And it's, you know, I mean, when you think about other sports, like basketball games, they typically take about like two and a half hours. Football games can take upwards up to three and a half, four hours at some, at some points, you know, usually they'll have a, a broadcast going on from one to four. Um, so, I mean, in, in the reality of it, baseball, it's not really, I don't even think it's a time issue. I just think it's more of like an action issue. There's just too much, there's just too much like blank space in a play, in a baseball game. Yeah, it's because it's it's one of those things like, you know, football games are just as long as baseball games, but they're a lot more exciting. You know, there's a lot more going on. You know, it's, it's faster paced when when it when it is happening. There's a clock. Um, so, you know, it's it's different. But, you know, the end product, you're still getting like a three hour game. Right. Um, and so I don't think it's the end time necessarily. Like you mentioned, like, it's not like the fact that it's three hours. It's the fact that it's three hours going at a snail's pace and it's a lot of stop and go. Right. And you can't ask, you know, for a pitcher to throw, you know, 50 pitches and, you know, a certain amount of time that's going to, you know, because obviously you can't throw like three pitches in a, in a minute because that's just, it's almost too much to ask because, you know, but especially when they're throwing it at 95, 100 miles an hour in some cases and stuff like that, you know, you're trying to get certain grips on the ball and whatever, it, it's going to take a little bit of time. Right. Right. Um, the next one, one last rule change I wanted to touch on. Um, so you know, obviously with the, with the coronavirus, they're doing a lot of stuff, um, to decrease like the amount of like fluids for lack of a better term that are being put onto the field to no spitting, no sunflower seeds, uh, no chewing tobacco, any of that stuff. Um, pitchers also aren't going to be allowed to, uh, lick their fingers while they're on the mound, um, at all. Uh, they they can instead bring out a wet rag with them, which I mean, is fine. I don't. It's not a huge deal. I don't think anybody's really gonna lose their mind over that. No. But it's just gonna be weird seeing you know pitchers out there with like a wet towel, like just throwing it around. Yeah. No, that'll be weird. I mean, it's already. It's already. I always kind of find it a little bit weird with the frosty bags to begin with. So that it's sometimes buying the plate, but like, I don't know. That's. I don't know. That's kind of. That's kind of a weird. That's kind of a weird thing. I think that the whole thing with the sunflower seeds. I think that's. <laughs> that's sad because I. I when I played baseball, I was a big sunflower seed guy. I would always, if I was in the outfield or something like that, I'd always be the guy chewing the sunflower seeds. Yeah, so. for sure. I mean, the seeds are definitely, I think, going to be a, a, be a big change. Um, I don't think the chewing tobacco is going to make that much of a difference. I know, you know, a fair amount of stadiums have already um, banned it to begin with. Yeah, so that's kind of, uh, I feel like... Ju- just for the adverse health effects. 
Right, right. I feel like that that one's more of like an outdated. Lacrosse. Yeah, I mean, there's still plenty of guys in the league that that chew, but I mean, it's not a huge deal. I mean, realistically, though, with with the whole fluid thing, it's going to be like the same thing in all the other sports. You know, you're gonna there's going to be some sort of fluid that's going to be going around regardless. You yeah. Know, whether sweat. I mean, you can't really. It's it's going to be. It's a good idea, but it's going to be really like just tough to enforce. No spitting. Like you just can't have somebody like patrolling the warning track like with binoculars. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're gonna have you're gonna have like crows that have blocked the binoculars or whatnot. Stop like, stop the game when somebody spits. Like, nope, you're done. Throw them out. Like. It's yeah, one of no, those that, things, but um, I mean, it's a good idea. It's just going to be tough to enforce. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. A, I don't know. It, it, but that's the thing, though. Is just like it's just a weird time for all sports right now. So I guess trying to like come up with as much like as you can to to stop it makes sense. But it's just going to be very hard to even do anything with. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, so one other thing I wanted to touch on was uh, so Manfred instituted the sixty game season. Um, these negotiations were the worst thing I have ever seen in my life. Um, yeah. Just it was just one giant headache for me the whole way through. Uh, yeah. Both sides are absolutely you know guilty in this. As yeah. you know, it's not one right and one wrong party. They're both just as guilty. Um, I mean, you have the owners on one side, being the owners exactly what you'd expect, cheap, you know, pretty two faced, kind of you know looking to make a buck for themselves. Yeah, and then just- you have the players on the other side who came off, especially after the when and where thing, um, as complete frauds. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you have the players, they're all on Twitter, they're like, when and where, when and where, when and where. And then, you know, they get a proposal that I thought was, you know, pretty reasonable. It was, you know, just about the only good proposal uh, proposal the owners put forward. And the players immediately, immediately were like, no. So yeah, to it, me, I was like, well, it's not when and where. It's, you know, we want to be right. It basically, just watching two fourth two four-year-olds fighting over who gets the blocks exactly i mean there was a point you know especially at the beginning where it was about the games and it was about the money and then by the end it was just you know which side was going to accept the other's terms and like who was going to win and who was going to lose and to me that was just such a bad look for a sport that's already had their fair share of bad looks i mean two out of the last three world series champions just got banged out in uh cheating scandals um, mm-hmm. I mean, you're staring down a lockout at the end of the 2021 season when the CBA expires. Um, so, I mean, it's just baseball is a mess right now. Yeah. They, and I remember you put this perfectly. Like they could have had, they had, had a perfect chance to just take over the entire sports world for a solid at least month. You know, maybe maybe they put off the agreements for a little bit, but they could have they could have been heading away the only sports league that were actually doing anything come June time and they dropped the ball. Like it is with especially how how much baseball has been declining in the past decade, especially with like attendance and just and uh, television revenue and whatnot. They dropped the ball so so badly. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just the the declining interest is a whole nother. That's just an issue for a different day. But I mean, it's just you need more interesting people. Uh, you know, you got you. Of course, you have guys like Mike Trout who generational talents. You know, some of the best people to ever play the game. Um, you know, Mike Trout, yeah, Mookie Betts, Christian Yelich, got all these really, really good players. Um, but they're all just a giant bowl of vanilla ice cream. Um, and they're just super boring. Um, would be perfect, right? That's it, you need guys like that, you know. Like you know, Griffey had the whole he had the, he had the brand. He, you know, he was Ken Griffey Jr., the backwards hat, the sweet left-handed swing. Like you need guys like that. And I mean you have some in the league. I mean, if you look around, 
you know, they're definitely guys who are pretty entertaining. And I, I know I mentioned Yelich around the, like the vanilla ice cream guys, but you know, at the end of the day, he's actually kind of like, you know, he's got an internet presence. He's kind of interesting, but you have right. plenty of guys. You have Marcus Stroman, Tim Anderson, Trevor Bauer. Like you have guys like that who have the right idea. I love Trevor Bauer. <laughs> I I could I could go on a tangent about Trevor Bauer. It's like I didn't like him at all. Um, and then Twitter. <laughs> but but this like last like maybe seven to eight months, I've I've done a pretty hard 180 on the guy. Uh, so that, I mean I, I I would say I like him now. Uh, but it's definitely because I I never liked him in the past. I think that. One of the guys, like when when we were talking about Ken Griffey Jr. being like, like when you look when you think of like 1990s baseball, you think of Ken Griffey Jr. like right away, and and then you think of like the uh, the home run chase between McGuire and some Ben Bonds and whoever else is in the mix at that time. I think right now the player when, when it first comes to mind that has like the most personality and like it's kind of like the most similar to Ken Griffey Jr. in that sense of way is Francisco Lindor. Yeah, no, honestly, like we—that's a guy that strikes me the most, just because like he's got like when you think of Junior, like Junior always got that like that grand smile, and he's always got that backwards uh, hat and whatnot. Like Lindor kind of carries off that same like jovial personality. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, just look around the league. I mean, you have guys that you could you can market super easily. I mean, why is the NFL so popular? You know, with younger people, it's the flashiness of it. You know, it's the touchdown celebrations. It's it's all that kind of stuff. Um, and you got guys who are, you know, really have the right idea on that. Specifically, uh, Marcus Stroman and Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson, yeah, I was gonna say. Tim I mean, Tim Anderson had the greatest bat flip spike thing I've ever seen. Um, say, save for Jose Bautista's in the playoffs. But um, I mean, you have guys like him and Marcus Stroman just dancing around the mound after every strikeout. Like those guys are awesome. Like they're super fun to watch. Well, the problem is, and then you got your purists. That's like, oh, that's not how the game. Plays. And that's and that's the problem. I mean, just like for example. Um, yeah. Last last year, I was at a Red Sox Blue Jays game. Marcus Stroman was pitching, um, gets a strikeout to end the sixth inning, I believe, and it was this you know last last pitch of the day, and um, you know he he yelled and you know like skipped off the mound, and you know I get home after the game, and I'm listening to the post game, and Dennis Eckersley is just like for lack of a better term whining about Marcus Stroman yelling and showing off, the same thing. which. <laughs> Which I thought was just yeah, exactly it's the most ironic thing ever because that's exactly what Dennis Eckersley does or did in his playing career. Um, but it's, like, it's just it's people like that, and it's just like you know, loosen up. It's a game. They're they're like you know, it's a game. They're gonna have fun. They're supposed to have fun. That's the point. People are just stuck in the past. Like I mean, I don't understand why it's just in baseball where you have to be like you know serious and mad all the time, and you can't have any emotion. Like go out there and have fun. Like if you do something cool, like you know, let people know. Madison Bumgarner is another kid. Whenever, whenever anybody like pimps a home run up at Madison Bumgarner, he like tries to start fighting them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I love Madison Bumgarner as a player, but he is he is definitely kind of the old school like crusty baseball guy. Oh yeah, in in that sense at least. Yeah, yeah, I like him too. But at the same time, like if someone if someone pimps a home run off of you, it's because you let them do that to yourself. Yeah, I mean, and, and guys like, I mean, Chris Archer said it, um, you know, Stroman again, I keep going back to him, but, you know, guys like that have said, like, if you hit a ball, like, 400 feet off me, like, yeah, I hope you flip the bat. It's my fault for throwing a pitch right down the middle. Yeah, exactly. They did a bat. It's, it's their fault. It's their fault for fucking it up. Because, but, you know, and they're the same way. It's like, if you know, if I throw a nasty slider down the way and strike you out, like, I'm going to let you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, because that's your fault for chasing. 
yeah, when you see pitchers, you know, pimped away off the mound, it's like, yeah, it's because they did their they did their job and they did it very, very well. <laughs> it's just one of those things. Like, I, I don't know. That's that's just my two cents. Um, you know, we have we kind of have like a it's like an attitude problem in baseball, but like not the type of attitude problem you would think of when you say an attitude problem. It's just there are too many boring people. It, there's not enough attitude. There is the exactly that's exactly there isn't enough <laughs> attitude. Which is which is weird to think about because like in like in certain sports there's too much of attitude like in football there's sometimes too much and basketball occasion uh, basketball there's sometimes too much as well but but that's what makes the game also interesting is that those types of personalities like J.R. Smith and Lance Stevenson would not be where they are without their personalities. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. Like you just there's, a, there's it, only a handful of players in baseball that I can say the same for. Like Derek Dietrich is a very below average baseball player, but he has a personality. Oh, he's he's so fun. He's yeah, so he's fun. Like, he makes those. He makes the red games enjoyable. Uh, what's the guy? Amir Garrett on the Reds. Very awesome. Enjoyable. I, I love Amir Garrett. He started, He took an entire baseball team with his own two hands. I love that. That's we, a, you need. So, you, we need more of that in the sport. If it's, I mean, I guess I don't know. I don't know if I mean fighting, but you just need more people who are out there. You know, having having a good time while they're playing. Right. Right. I think one of the guys, and I know like Bryce Harper's a big advocate for that too. Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper's always been like a very big advocate for like let's let's like change the the generation of baseball players, like make it much more. Yeah, did, didn't he have a make baseball fun again hat? I think he did at some point. I, I believe he did. He had a, he had a I'm, hat in his locker that make baseball fun again. I'm pretty sure it was Bryce Harper, but then again, he's also stuck in Philadelphia, and it's not like he's really doing much from there, anyways. Yeah, I mean, he's he's an interesting case because I I feel like he's he's overrated and underrated at the same time. Yeah, I can if get that makes any that. sense. I can get behind that because he was he was yeah. so good in his first couple of seasons. They just kind of fell. And then he had a couple of bad seasons, especially yeah. average wise, where he was hitting down like the two twenties. And yeah, I, so yeah. people were like, oh, he's overrated. But I mean, last year he had a, you know, a fairly good season. I wouldn't say he was bad by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so now he's, uh, he's almost underrated again or for the first like, time. Yeah. Didn't he like start off bad last year and then kind of like turn it around the second yeah, half? Yeah. I mean, he, he hit a decent amount of home runs at the end of, when it was all said and done. His average wasn't terrible. Um, I haven't looked too far into like his advanced stuff. Um, I'll take a look into it but now. He was, he was okay. He wasn't bad it, is my yeah. point. I think it has something to do with like the change of scenery too. You know, he's, he played in Washington his entire career, and now he's playing in, in Philadelphia. You know, it's, I mean, maybe not d- dimensions wise that much different, but still, still a little bit off. Uh, last year, 2019, he had 260, he had 35 homers, uh, he had 114 RBIs, OB- on base percentage of 372, slugging of 510, uh, OPS of 882, and OPS plus of 125. So he was he was good. He was fine. Yeah, I'd say he I, was I mean, he I'm, was. N- by no means bad, uh, no, but people just no. I feel like aren't paying attention to it anymore. No, um, uh, yeah, I also think, but he's like it's kind of like the same thing as Manny Machado though. Like he's also in, like Manny Machado's in San Diego now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Nobody's paying attention to him at all. Um, well, I'm in San Diego, but San Diego's got something good going on over there though. They'll they'll be they'll be in the thick of it in a few years. Fernando Tatis is one of my favorite players in the league. Uh, I, I I love him. Talk talk about fun baseball players. That's own, he's a fun baseball player. I own two baseball jerseys right now. It's him and Hunter Pence. Those are my only two baseball jerseys I own. I'm gonna get a third. I think I'm gonna get a Griffey one. I think my Griffey one's gonna be next. But oh, gotta get the Griffey. Gotta get a I'm Griffey. Gonna, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Teal Seattle Mariners. Ken Griffey Jr. Like that's pure, a good one. Circa 1996, 1995. 
That's a, all right. All right. That's a good one. That's what, that's what I'm rocking with. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, so I think next thing I want to talk about was, uh, I think we each had, what was it? Three bold predictions, um, for the shortened 60 game season, mm-hmm. um, which I believe is still having expanded playoffs. I think. I want to take a look. Let me see. There, you know, that was in it at one point. I believe it's still for this season going to be expanded, not in 21. Um, so, but either way, you know, my predictions don't really have to do with extra playoff spots. Um, yeah, I mind don't. Yeah, mind don't. Really so we, I'll, I'll just give them anyway. Um, it says, well, I'm on the article from USA Today, and it says I think they they're gonna mention something about this. I'll let you go with yours, but you go right ahead. All right, all right. I'll I'll go with my first one, and that is uh, the Toronto Blue Jays this season are gonna have the first and second finisher for AL Rookie of the Year. Um, and those two players are going to be Bo Bichette and then Nate Pearson. Um, I can get that because I can't really think of any other like strong rookie gear candidates. In, in I'm just looking at it this way. So Bo Bichette still has his rookie status. He only, he came up in August last year um, and Great. was unbelievable, like so much better than I had ever expected him to be. There was no learning curve for him at all. Um, he showed up and he hit a double and he hit at least a double in his first like 11 games. That's, um, yeah, that's and then he and you know then the Blue Jays pull up to Dodger Stadium, and he's got to go face Clayton Kershaw. It's probably the first big time pitcher he faced. And what does he do? He takes him deep twice, right. which right. I don't think I've seen. Like there are a lot of really good established MLB hitters that haven't taken Clayton Kershaw deep twice in a game. And 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 these weren't cheap home runs either. Like these were like in the back of the bullpen at Dodger Stadium. Like that's a poke. And he's he you know he comes out of nowhere and just starts hitting bombs um you know missed the last like i think like five or six games of the season with a concussion um but i mean he was so so good for that like two months and he still got that rookie uh status so i could totally see he's he's my favorite um to win al rookie of the year this year and then toronto in addition has uh nate pearson who is their number one prospect he's the number two right-handed pitching prospect in the entire league um and this kid's unbelievable he's like six six uh you know just Built like an absolute monster. Throws 103. Um, played in the Arizona Fall League. Lit it up there. Uh, was just downright dirty in the uh, Futures game last year in Cleveland. Um, plan plan was, I think, to treat him sort of like they treated Vlad last year. Uh, which was start him out in AAA. Because he doesn't have a lot of minor league seasoning. Um, thanks in part to the fact that his like one of his first games in rookie ball after he got drafted, he broke his arm. Um, after getting hit with a comebacker. And then he pitched on innings limit last year. So he really hasn't pitched a ton in the minors yet. So I think the plan was to start him in AAA, you know, ease him in and then bring him up, you know, May, June-ish, like late May, early June. Um, yeah, but- now with the 60-game season, I don't know if they even bother and just, you know, bring him straight up. Um, and if they do, I mean, even though he isn't that all that experienced, I mean, 103 is going to play. Right. Uh, absolutely. 103 is going to play. I mean, he was uh, in spring training. I mean, he was blowing people like good hitters. Like, I mean, he, he made Josh Bell look stupid. And Josh Bell's a really good hitter. It was good. And uh, Josh Bell is a bona fide all star, in my opinion. And yeah. and he yeah. made him he made him look like a little league hitter up there. So, I mean, I could totally see him coming up and just going nuts on everybody, uh, especially when they're playing the Orioles like for most of their games, since it's all going to be mostly division with a little bit interleague. Um, so you're like, they're not going to play a lot of 
great teams outside the Yankees this year and the Rays. Um, just Sox can just be mediocre. This you're year. looking at like a mediocre Sox team. The Orioles were just garbage. Um, you're looking at the Marlins. You'll probably play the Marlins a few times. They're awful. Uh, Braves are good. Phillies are good. Nats are good. Uh, the Mets, who knows? They're usually like, you know, air quotes good, but they never put it together. They'll be 500. So, I mean, he's he's looking at, uh, you know, he'll get tested a little bit, but there's there's definitely some room there for with some of those bad teams to kind of stab pad. Um, so I could totally see him finishing in top three for rookie of the year, but I think Bo's going to win. And my bold prediction is they'll be one and two. I think I, I can get behind that. And just in case if Pearson doesn't come up, I think that another contender for that AL rookie of the year, I can't remember the guy's last name, but it was a Japanese signing for the Rays. Oh, um, it's like Susugo. So, like so he's the, yeah, yeah Susugo is the last name. He's first baseman um, slash outfielder. Because I know Akiyama signed with the Reds. He'll be yep. a good. He'll be a good player too. But I think yeah, Susugo. He was the big one. He was he was the big name coming over from Japan this year. He'll be he'll be right up there with that AL. But I think I think you're I think if, especially if Bichette still had, if Bichette still has that rookie status, and I don't think there's a question that Bichette will win. It's just because of how much he reached towards the end of last year. Yeah, I mean he he was just phenomenal. He was absolutely filthy, and I, I and I know you're a Blue Jays fan, so you know it's a little a little bias there. Um, but I don't put much bias behind it because. But I'm I'm trying to be objective. I mean, he's just he's outrageous. And I can't think of a single player that's going to be like better than him. Yeah, for sure. So I'll go. I'm going to go into mine. I just looked up at the I. So I ended up taking a look at the playoff format. It's still the same one as the year before, or 2019. It's still the same one it's been for the last couple of years. Um, so with this year, I think there's a lot of teams in the American League that got better. And I think that there's one team that's going to have to suffer from that. I feel like there's going to be a lot of shuffling. Um, my first bowl prediction is that the Houston Astros will not be making the playoffs this year. I think with, uh, obviously. Ooh, know, Astros. We can, we can trash on the Astros. We, we, we all know like what happened with the Astros as far as their, their whole scandal goes. Um, and let's not remember, let's not forget, they did lose Garrett Cole, who was, you know, it's Garrett Cole, arguably the best pitcher in the entire league. Um, so they're going to be reeling off that. Obviously, you know, their batters are going to be just aimlessly thrown at and whatnot, you know, regardless of what happens. Um, but they, I mean, they also lost a couple of other guys. I know they lost Jake Risnick. I mean, he's not too far, big of that offense, but they also lost a uh, Harris. Um, I know he had a really big year in that bullpen last year for them. So they're losing that big bullpen piece is going to probably be a problem for them. Um, and when you take other teams like the A's, you know, the A's have been just that consistent 90 plus win team. Um, you know, they got better over the offseason. Obviously, the Angels got better the, over the offseason with adding um, Anthony Rendon. And they also have, you know, obviously Mike Trout, Shohei Matani, Al Pools, guys like that. Um, even the Texas Rangers, the Texas Rangers got better too. They added Corey Kluber. So I feel like with all these other teams getting better and the Astros really didn't make any moves to improve. And I, I can't think of a single like addition that they had. I honestly think they're going to miss the playoffs this year. You know, the rotation's not going to be nearly as strong. The vibes are probably going to be weaker. You know, obviously they're going to have this cloud hanging over their head for the next couple of years. It's just not, I just think that their time, their reign is going to come to an end this year. Yeah, so I don't necessarily disagree with your end take of they're not going to make playoffs. I, You know, I agree definitely that the West is, um, you know, taking a step forward this year. Obviously, Oakland always puts together a good team. Um, the Angels, I mean, we'll see. They never have any pitching. 
Yeah, um, that's the thing. So we'll see how that works, but they'll they'll score some runs. That's a good lineup. Right. Yeah, I think that the, certainly the Angels will be more like I don't think that the only team I can see in the West reaching playoff status is the Athletics. I think the A's will win that division, but I think that the Angels and the Rangers are more competitive versions of what they had previously previous years. So it's not going to be like a cakewalk. Yeah, like for today. sure, for sure, they're definitely um, they've both take both teams have taken a step forward. Um, I think the one point where we differ on that is I think you know it's going to be more of the circus that is the Astros this year um, with that massive cloud hanging over their head. Um, I don't think it's necessarily going to be talent because you did lose Garrett Cole, but you're still looking at your rotation. It's going to have Justin Verlander and Zach Greinke at the top of it. Um, So it's not, you know, you lost, you know, a huge piece, but you still have two aces coming in uh, right behind to kind of fill that, uh, fill that void. And, you know, you still look, you know, around the outfield, you got George Springer, Michael Brantley, Josh Reddick, uh, Bregman, Correa, and Altuve are all still there. Um, I mean, so they, they they have the talent. I think it's just going to be way too big of a distraction, right? Uh, for I them think, to win games consistently. I think that too is like I, I we all see Justin Verlander as like the fountain of youth and whatnot. Like obviously he's been incredible ever since he joined the Astros. He's going to be thirty seven this year though, and Greggy's going to be thirty six. So that the age age is sort of like it could become a factor this year for sure. But that's where also I see the um, you know the shortened season benefiting players like that because they won't have to deal with as much they don't have to it's not that 162 game grind right which could be interesting in some ways too because like you know like like last year the nationals famously started off 1931 what if there's just like this trash team that all of a sudden just like say the marlins out of nowhere like went 20 games out of their first 40 then they're in the playoffs that's that's exactly the uh the probably the most interesting part of the 60 game season Great teams are just fall that like strain their base out of the gate and it could screw them up the rest of the year. I mean, if you think about it, if they played sixty games last year, the Nationals don't make the playoffs. Right. They they, they would have missed out. So it's sure. it's interesting. But I think that's gonna be my first one. I don't think I don't think Houston's gonna make the playoffs. I think that there's gonna be other teams. I don't I I definitely at the least, I don't think they'll win the division. I think the A's because I believe Sean Manea comes back this year, correct? Um he should. Yeah, he should. Tommy John last year, he should be back by now. I think the A's right now. I think it's they're they're gonna be able to finally break through and get that division from them this year. And I think that this like with all the other teams in the American League, like the Rays got a lot better this offseason. White Sox made a ton of moves this offseason. I think it's you know the White Sox will be right up there. Um, and even other teams like Indians still have a pretty decent squad. Angels, you never know with the Angels. They maybe Mike Trout like just carries a team on his back throughout the way. Blue Jays could make a breakthrough i think there's too many other teams that got a lot better and the astros just did not do anything to get better yeah and that that kind of leads right into my second uh bold prediction and um that is that the white Sox are going to get one of the wild cards um if i'm going to go really bold i'm going to say they'll they'll get the first one Um, really but there still is a team called the tampa bay rays that pretty much has you know a permanent claim to that yeah. Um, but I could I could definitely see the White Sox being one of those two teams. Um, you know, I think they had a really, really good offseason. Um, you know, they brought in Edwin Encarnacion. Um, they brought in uh, Yasmani Grandal. So, like, they have – they you know, they, they brought in some vets. They still have a really, really good young core with Tim Anderson, uh, Yoan Mokata. Um, you know, they have the pitchers. They had Gio, Lucas Giolito, Renato Lopez, uh, Carlos Rodon. Um, and Eloy, Eloy Jimenez. That's, and, and Eloy Jimenez. Um, so they they have a really really good thing going on over there um you know they still have some big time prospects like nick madrigal um that you know who knows when we'll see them um 
Kopech, uh should be coming. He should be back this season, I believe. I mean, I think he missed all of last year with the uh, TJ, so yeah, he should. He was, so he should be back um, at some point. Um, so I mean, they they have they kind of have the guns now, and they're they're kind of getting ready. Um, you can tell, especially the way they ran that off season this year. Um, you know, they they brought in some you know vets with some playoff experience. Um, we can still contribute a little bit. Um, yeah, another big move. They brought in Keuchel too. They did. They brought in Keuchel. Um, so you know they have they have a really interesting team. I think uh, you know I kind of have for the last few years grouped them in with the Blue Jays as like that same type of team that's just got really strong farm system um, and has been slowly piecing everything together. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they're you know probably a year or two ahead of uh, where Toronto is. Mm-hmm. Um, as evidenced by the fact that, you know, Toronto's big, uh, outside of Ryu, they went and they got like Travis Shaw and Chase Anderson, Joe Panic, like those kind of guys. So, so, you know, a little further down guys like Edwin Encarnacion and Yasmani Grandal. Um, but I, th- yeah. I think Chicago's getting ready to try to make a run. Yeah. When comparing both of them, I think that with Chicago, they're, they're probably like a year ahead. You know, they just, they aggressively sped up. Their exactly. I, I think, I think they're a year, at least a year or two ahead um, of where the Blue Jays are, but those are like my two teams, like, you know, in three or four years, you know, you're still going to have the Yankees there. Obviously they have enough young talent um, that they'll still be around, but those are going to be your other two teams is going to be I, Toronto and Chicago, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't think that the, any of the moves like that the White Sox made, they're not really like, they're not high risk moves either. Like you know, Edwin Encarnacion is going to probably come in and hit thirty. Yeah, as long as he's healthy, he's going to show up and hit thirty. Like especially yeah. in that division. I mean, you know, the AL Central is without a doubt the worst division in the sport. It is garbage. It is okay. absolutely awful. Honestly, I could see them winning the division. I, I mean, I think I- the Twins are still better, but I wouldn't completely rule it out because that division's just always such a just a mess. And it has yeah. been for like the last five years. Um, yeah, that it's whatever I, team yeah. gets off to a hot start wins that division. Yeah, I agree with you on the White Sox. I think they're going to get the second one as of right. If I had to choose right now, I think they're going to get the second one. I think Tampa Bay's got that first one unlocked. Just because Tampa Bay, like if Tampa Bay was in any other division, I feel like they'd win every year. Yeah, if Tampa Bay was in like the Central or in the West, like they would probably win the division. But of course, New York Yankees literally just have no holes on their team right now, other than the fact that like everyone gets injured, but they still have people that come in and replace them. But um, that's yeah, the White Sox like they're but they're kind of like in that they're starting to get in that groove. Like they don't have there. There's not many like holes on that team right now to begin with, and they just they made so many moves this offseason. And I don't know. They they look like they look like a much better team. This looks like the best White Sox team we've seen. Maybe long time i can't remember the last time i saw the white Sox really this promising probably like (laughs) when did they win the world series oh five five when when paul canerco and jermaine die were there it's probably the last time they were like legitimately good uh they had a few teams in the middle there with you know like mark burley and uh canerco was still there yeah Um, yeah, yeah. but nothing that was ever really like contending Right, yeah, they they were they were like they've always been like the middle of the pack, but they've never been like they've never been cellar dwellers. They've always just been like that middle of the pack, like stuck in mediocrity. Now they're kind of getting their way out of there. Yeah, um, they they should be. Uh, I think they'll be in the playoffs this year. Is is my end prediction? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think they're gonna get. I think right now, if I had to say, I'd probably say they're gonna get balanced in that wild card round. I think that's what they're gonna. I think that's probably their end fate this year. But I could definitely see them maybe next year going ahead and just like winning the division over Minnesota. Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of playoffs, I'm going to go back to the National League. Um, 
I think everybody's expecting the Dodgers to run away with that division in a landslide, and I think they'll still win it, but I think it's going to be closer than people expect because I think the Diamondbacks are going to be one of the best teams in the NL. I think they're going to go ahead and steal that first wildcard spot. That's, that's bold. And White Sox had the two best offseasons this offseason, I think. That's that's bold. I mean, I yeah. think... I think, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you're uh, you're banking a lot on Mass and Bumgarner uh, kind of carrying that rotation. A little bit, but also their their bats now are a lot better too. You got they got Starling Marte, and uh, oh, I just had the other name in the outfield. I know they re-signed David Peralta, and they signed Starling Marte, and they got somebody else in the outfield, and I can't remember who it was off the top of my head. And I know he's a he's a pretty damn good player. I, I got to go find it. I just had it. Slack. Um, but what's his name? They still have in the infield. They still have guys like Eduardo, Eduardo Escobar. They still have um, Cattell Marte as well. Cattell Marte, if I'm correct, I don't. I don't remember if he was an All Star last year, but he definitely put up towards the end of the year. He was definitely putting up. Yeah, no, he, he he's a he's a big time talent. They got a good they got a good team. Um, I just there there are some other teams over in that division that I like better. Um, you know, namely, I think uh, I think San Diego's due for a step forward. Um, yeah, I think they'll finish third. They, they, they have, yeah, they're one of those teams. I'm just waiting for them to piece it together because once they do, they're gonna they're gonna blow up. Cole Calhoun, that's who it was. Yep, yep, Cole. that's true. They did sign Cole Calhoun. Had, had that 30 home run season last year. I'm pretty sure, or he was it was somewhere yeah. around that. Yeah, he had 30 because I, I wanted Toronto to sign him, so I did way too much research on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, their their rotation isn't that great. I mean, Robbie Ray, I know a couple years ago was was like, was real nice, but I'm, I don't. I'm pretty sure it's not the same player that he was back then, but they could definitely. You could, I could definitely see them. Like, I don't, I don't know. So this is my thing with the LP. I don't know what the trade scenario is going to be like this year either, because it's only going to be 60 games. So I don't know what, like, if there's going to be a trade deadline. Or so, so there is going to be a deadline. It's going to be August 31st. They just pushed it back a month. So it's going to be basically like the non waiver when the non waiver. Yeah. So is. yeah. So when the waiver, so the waiver deadline is August 31st. Um. That'll just be the flat trade deadline this year. Yeah, they have that, and that's the thing with the Diamondbacks today. I think they have enough pieces in their system where they could sacrifice a couple of them for some pitching help if, in, if they're in that playoff position. But right now, I, that offense is wicked intriguing to me, so that's why I have them super. High, I'm super high on them, and I don't think like I think their pitching is it's, it's all right. But if they, especially if Madison Barber comes out like dealing, and you have you know Robbie Ray returns back to his you know near. Cy Young performance because I know he was kind of up there in some Cy Young, Cy Young voting a couple years ago. Zach Gallon's another pretty good pitcher on that squad too. Um, they could they could definitely surprise people. That's why I'm going. I'm going to say they're going to go ahead and, and steal one of those wild card spots. Is my goal prediction. All right, all right, that's pretty bold. Uh, we'll keep it in the NL with my uh, with my last one, um, and that is the Cincinnati Reds are going to win the we're going to win the NL Central. Forget wild cards; they're winning that division. Um, I get. If if there are people that still don't think the Reds are gonna win a lot of games this year, um, I don't know what you're watching. Um, this is a team that you know right now in their rotation they have uh, Luis Castillo who has got ace type stuff. Um, they have Trevor Bauer. They have Sonny Gray who is much closer to his Oakland uh, form than he is when he was in New York. Yeah. Um, he pitched much better than he ever did with the Yankees last year with Cincinnati. Um, definitely seem more comfortable. Um, so they have those three at the top of their rotation. They got Michael Lorenzen um, out of their pen, who can also hit, play a little outfield. Um, 
But outside of that, they still have Joey Votto, who's, you know, still consistent as ever. Um, you're looking at, they brought in Mike Moustakis. They brought in Nicholas Castellanos. Um, so, like, they, they got a lot of, they still have Eugenio Suarez at third base. So there's a lot of big-time bats on that team now, and that's a small stadium. Um, and, and they got some really big-time starting pitching. Um, the NL Central probably, in my opinion, is, uh, the best division in baseball right now. I mean, you have four out of the five teams are all pretty good this year. Uh, you're looking at St. Louis, Chicago, Milwaukee, and Cincinnati, and then there's a gap, <clears throat> and then Pittsburgh. But I could totally, totally see Cincinnati making a run. Um, and I, I, people really, I don't think this is all that bold. Um, I think people shouldn't be surprised uh, when the Reds come out and they're pretty good. Yeah, uh, they still have Freddie Gallops at shortstop, who's the absolute wizard with the glove. Yeah, it's just surprising because they've been like they've just been crap for a long time. Right, they, they haven't been good in quite some time. Yeah, they had they had that like they had that really nice run in the beginning of the decade, and then they just kind of like fell flat on their face the past five years. But yeah, um, they they'll be good this year for sure. Hot take for this team: I don't think it's not going to be my last bold prediction because I have something that's slightly more bolder. Nick Castellanos is going to make a run for that NL MVP. That is the bold. Way, the way the way he was hitting at the end of last year when he like, when he had you know from July onwards, like you could see like a JD Martinez two point right there. He, I mean, that's kind of I feel like always been his comp too. Um, just, they played together in Detroit. Uh, they have similar swings. Yeah, that's true. Um, they did. I, I keep, sometimes I forget that they both that JD Martinez played in Detroit. Yeah, no, they were both there in Detroit uh, for a few years at the same time. Yeah, that's right. That's where he. That's where. That's where he had his breakout. Jay Martinez. Yeah, that's exactly. yeah, pretty much. And then he went to Arizona for the half season. That's where. Yeah, it was where. And then he also he just kind of like broke out even further. But yeah, the way the way Castellanos was hitting towards the end of last year, especially when he joined the Cubs, like he was just raking it towards the end of last season. And then you had, um, and now you now you bring him into a, a hitter friendly environment in Cincinnati where he could just he could just launch him. Um, they also have guys like Aquino, Arcidas Aquino. I know he was like a big home run hitter towards. Oh yeah, he hit a home run like at least won a game for like a week straight. Yeah, and they have um, Senzel. I don't know if you mentioned. Senzel. Yeah, I, d- I didn't, but yeah, no, they have, they have a good mix of young uh, young talent and vets. They have the pitching. Um, yeah, they still have uh, Rice L. Glacius closing games. He's not, you know, he's not bad at all. Um, right. So I, I think they have a good mix. Um, to kind of sneak up on, you know, Chicago and St. Louis and kind of snatch that division out from under him. Yeah, I think that I think that I think I'm with you. I think I could definitely win the division. I think it, as far as like teams go, I don't think Chicago is going to be high up there as many people think they're going to be just because of what's been like, you know, that they've always had they've had trade rumors just swirling around their heads for like the past year, it feels like. And I just they don't feel like they're the same strong team they were a couple of years ago. Yeah, for um, the Cubs, I feel like it all depends on you know which version of Chris Bryant they get. Exactly, because he's he's been kind of consistent. I think I think the division like while there's four good teams, I think it's going to come between it's St. Louis or it's going to be Cincinnati. And I think Milwaukee could play a presence in there. Just they just kind of they kind of have a little bit of a more weaker like um, rotation though. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. Their bats are perfectly fine, but um, I think Cincinnati, it's not that their pitching is bad. I think Cincinnati's is just better. And St. Louis, too. Yeah, St. Louis has a nice rotation as well. St. Louis has flirty. That's all. Yeah, that's pretty much all they need. Um, but yeah, no, I'm with you. I think, I think Cincinnati's going to be, I don't know how much playoff success they'll have just because they're pretty inexperienced in that realm, but they're, they'll be, I think they'll be in the playoffs come October. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, last one. I don't know how much 
obviously with the 60 game season, it could be a little bit skewed, but when was the last time we had like someone that was contending for the triple crown? Um, I don't think Yellow Carrera in 2012, but is that really the last that time? That was probably the last time that, think, some, that somebody made like a serious push. I think this is going to be the first time in a while. I think it's going to be the first time that we're going to have to see someone make that serious push. I don't know if they're going to get it. I think they're going to be come off by when I think they'll get take two out of three categories. I think they'll take average and I think they'll take home runs. I don't think they're going to take the RBIs. I think Mike Trout's going to be the guy that come that gets really, really close to doing it this year. Okay. Because All I right. think in the American league, he's bar none. I mean, I'm the best player in the entire league, but like thinking of average wise, I think what was Tim, Tim Anderson was a, yeah, he, he won the batting championship last year. And Mike Trout had a Mike Trout was having the best season of his career before he got cut before he got cut short. Yeah, I think Mike he'll finish, he'll finish with the, the American League in home runs. I think that's no question. It'll be either the the average or the RBIs, which he falls short in. He'll he'll get one of them. He'll miss the other one. But I think Mike Trout's going to put it put a serious run towards triple crown this year. I'd I'd love to see it. That would be something that the game needs. Uh, you know, a storyline to follow, something intriguing like that. Because um, I mean, I the the baseball season that sticks out the most in my head, just you know, random season from my childhood was 2010, and um, that was the year that they had um, the huge. It was like a triple crown race, and it was uh, Joey Votto and Carlos Gonzalez, and I feel like somebody else was in that too. Um, yeah, but they were just like that was like an intriguing storyline. Um, right. It's the you know I think the game needs some some more of that. So I definitely think Mike Trout um, make it a push at the triple crown. Would be awesome. I think you might also see, um, you know, some players maybe push 400 for the season for a batting average. Um, obviously, you know, if that happens, that goes straight in the record book with an asterisk. Uh, oh, he only played 60 games, but you could definitely see a guy. You could definitely see a guy like maybe like Christian Yelich push for that. Yeah, it's just it's just something interesting. You know, it's something to follow. Get people get people invested. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, if if Trout manages to hit like 25 home runs in 60 games, like that'd be pretty dope. Like that's that's where I think like the max is. Like I don't think you'll see a guy hit more than thirty. Yeah. Like that, but like you could definitely see a couple of guys get over twenty. Mike Trout, you could I could see Mike Trout getting like with a sixty game season and a, like a full and healthy version of Mike Trout for sixty games. You could definitely see someone put up like some type of numbers that get in that league, league categories. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that's gonna be that's my last one. I think Trout's gonna have a like we said before. Trout's in his prime. Yeah, exactly. He's gonna be twenty nine this year. Prime too. So he's so. 28, he's going to be 29 in a few months. So he's just entering the prime of his career. That's unreal. And it feels like he's been around for like such a long time. I mean, he has. He's been in the league for like nine years. But he's only 28, 29 years old. That's great. That's yeah. great. But yeah, that's going to be my last one. Mike Trout is going to make a serious run. He's going to fall one category short, but it's going to be a serious run for the Triple Crown. All right. Um, so that's that's your three. That's my three. Um, and I think that's just going to uh, just about do it for the show today. So thank you all for listening. Um, if you want to check out my writing as well as Dylan's writing, uh, be sure to check out um, all that on tailgatesports.com. It's www.tailgatesportsentertainment.com. And until next time, thanks for listening.